Welcome to another episode of the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. Today we're having a conversation around the importance of counselling. We've been talking over the past few weeks uh, and hearing stories of people who have been through abuse, struggling with addiction. But here in the Pacific, it's probably not um, something that people regularly run to is counselling and help. Uh, maybe there's a lot of shame around it. It's the culture of silence. But today with me, I have a beautiful woman named Quayla, who is a counsellor. So welcome, Quayla. Thank you, Leticia. Thank you. So tell us a bit of your background and uh, why you decided to get into counselling and why you're so passionate about that. So I'm from Fiji and um, I grew up in, in Lamy Town, just on the outskirts of, of uh, Suva. I grew up in the Methodist Church in Lamy and because of um, the mixed population we, we had and the issues that we were exposed to uh, in our community but also in our families, um, at a very young age, I also saw my parents helping other people in need, particularly my mom. Um, and it was from there that I decided that I wanted to do social work. And um, at the time, Fiji didn't have social work courses. I was fortunate to get an AusAid scholarship. I, um, just as I came out of Suva Grammar School, um, and I ended up getting a scholarship to go to Brisbane um, and studied social work at the University of Queensland. And then after um, studying social work, what was your career pathway after that? So when I came home and um, graduated in 92, uh, from 93 to 95, I spent time working with the Women's Crisis Centre. That was my first job as a counselling supervisor working with women and children who are victims of um, violence. And um, from there, just understanding what, what they went through, also looking at what the gaps were, um, also looking at who was doing what and where the challenges were. Um, I left Fiji in 1995 and went and lived in Japan, got married and lived in Japan for five and a half years. Um, had children. When I returned, I went back to the crisis center again. And then we had um, the coup of 2000. Um, it was from there that I then moved um, to the then Fiji Council of Churches Research Group, which became ECRIA, and uh, worked in the Gender and Peace Program. And just recognizing that um, the skills that counselors used were also very applicable in working with larger groups. But I then discovered um, there was an, such an area called peace building. And I was able to go off and study and learn more about that through the Eastern Mennonite Center for Justice and Peace Building Program in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Um, but just the whole reality of despite the sector that you come from or you, you're working with, whether it's an NGO sector or the churches, the skills that are required um, for the communities, for the uh, society to be aware of, to help people in need, uh, people who are broken because of abuse or have witnessed a lot of harm, 
and then subsequently dealing with the trauma. And it wasn't until I was at the Eastern Mennonite University and having gone through the 2000 coup that I realized that trauma was real. Eh? And um, the Center for Justice and Peacebuilding put on a STAR program because it was also dealing with the impacts of um, um, September 11th. And they had programs specifically on that. But it was there that we met lots of people who were counselors or coming from different service industries, medical, um, the police, um, the paramedics, um, nurses who were wanting to understand more about how do we deal with the trauma when people have been exposed to wide-scale trauma, whether it's um, through natural disasters or with man-made trauma. Yeah. Wow, that's quite a um, history that you have. And um, now you're back in Fiji um, with, with a real passion to see people heal from their trauma. Um, I think the Fiji Women's Crisis Centre state that 72% of women in relationships have experienced some form of violence, um, which does bring trauma just not to the woman, to the f children. So how important is it that um, the women of Fiji get help and get counselling? What, what happens if they don't? It's really important. I mean, our bodies, the way we are created, we are created to be healthy and happy. Yeah? We're not, we were not wired up or geared up to carry pain. And when we don't deal with our pain and we don't transform it, it actually ends up, that energy ends up attacking your body. You end up getting quite sick. Um, and there's medical studies to prove that. And so not only does it affect your health, um, your physical, but also your psychological health. And, you know, women are the nurturers. They're also, they hold responsibilities. They're the ones that keep families going. And if our women are not healthy and happy, families break down. And that's not how we're supposed to live in this world. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I've heard statistics that only 3% of Fijians live over 60. Would you say that, that a part of that is because of the uh, silence around the trauma and, and the lack of healing? I, I won't be able to say that directly because, you know, it's important that research uh, informs some of the statements that you give. Um, but it's, it's not difficult to make the connections, yeah? If you're unhealthy and you're unhappy, then um, it leads to people, you know, passing away um, and or live, living a very unhealthy, um, sickly life. Huh? Um, so it is important to get the help um, as quickly as possible. Is there a stigma around getting help um, here in Fiji? Yeah, there is a stigma because it's the we have these beliefs that um, you should be strong enough to deal with it. It's not our culture to deal with it, whichever culture. Um, we don't talk to strangers about it. Um, you know, it's a sign of weakness. Um, and there's just really not enough awareness and understanding about it. 
However, having said that, it's growing, yeah? The awareness is growing, but probably not fast enough. Um, and you're seeing some changes in institutions like the churches and corporate sector that are creating spaces for counseling or encouraging it or getting their people trained or recruiting trained people to help as opposed to leaving it to the NGOs to do it. Yeah, yeah that's um, really encouraging to hear. So you're, you're, do you think that um, the counselling sector is growing here in Fiji? Yeah, it is growing. I mean, the University of the South Pacific has a counselling program, a social work program, a psychology program, and there are graduates that are coming out. Um, and what's really important is that the spaces are created for our graduates to work in. Some are going and working with the, with the HR sections of uh, businesses. Um, some are using their skills to work in programs. Um, and some have gone into other areas at all because there's no jobs available. So the more we can have um, positions open, um, to appreciate the use of counsellors, the better it is, um, particularly when looking after the workforce. Yeah. So we're really having to disrupt the thinking that getting help is weak. <laughs> and um, I always tell, especially the women who are willing to speak out and get help, to me that's so courageous because you're not just helping yourself, but you're helping your kids, your family, hopefully your husband. Um, so it's there's still a stigma that we need to break. How can we break that together as a society? I guess it's, it's more about having these discussions um, with counsellors, not just with the women, but with the men as well. You know, the, a lot of the, the men need help. And it's just having, having um, dialogue spaces or using every opportunity just to say, um, to reframe and to say, you know, to get timely help makes such a big difference. And it's not forever, it's for a period of time, yeah? Till you work this out and then you're strong enough and you're left on your own. I guess part of it too, why people don't seek help is they're worried about the confidentiality, yeah? Um, because sometimes people go and share stories, they assume and hope that the stories will be, will be kept in confidence and then it's taken out of context. So that's something we have to get better at when people come to share, that you seek their permission before you go and share that story somewhere else because it is a small community. I mean, as counsellors, you would be trained in confidentiality. What um, procedures do you have around hearing people's stories? Yeah, so when it comes to, um, you know, confidentiality, this is the stuff that you would say in the beginning. You explain about what counselling is, the questions you ask about feelings and thoughts and why you would ask it, um, the documenting, where does the documentation go, um, what's the duty of care if the person is, um, you know, having uh, suicidal thoughts and the, the importance of sharing that information so that the person gets adequate support, there's a support system set up. But it's also about that, that the matter is confidential and confidentiality will be broken if that person is at harm. And then it's also 
if the story needs to be shared somewhere in a report, that you will get to cite that report and you've got to be comfortable with it before it goes any further. No, that's, um, I know there's a lot of professionality around counselling, so it's good to be reassured of that. We've talked about the importance of victims coming to get help, but perpetrators need help too because there's a reason why they've acted out. Um, is there help for perpetrators in this country? Um, I believe there's some groups that are working with perpetrators. Um, some time ago I used to work with the Pacific Centre for Peacebuilding. There's a program that they're running, they continue to run, called Restorative Justice. Um, and that I believe they, they run that in the Fiji Corrections, with the Fiji Corrections, and with some of the prisoners. Um, I'm not sure how many other groups are using um, a similar approach in restorative justice. There are quite a few people that were trained in the area, and I have no doubt that these people that were trained have gone on to use it in their communities or in their youth groups or in their organisations. Yeah, that's great to hear those that are happening. Um, I mean, there's so many blockages to getting counselling. I'm sure there's women who are like, I'd love it, but I can't afford it. My husband won't allow me. Uh, I'm up in the village. Um, <laughs> it's three hours away. How do we, you know, break down those blockages so we can make it more accessible? Yeah, I, I remember talking... The blockages for you know for the victims will be there. They're either perceived or or they're real. And you know, I guess the the plea to to women um, or friends of women who know that there's someone is suffering and needs counselling is to encourage them. Either you pay for that bus fare or you make that phone call on their behalf so that they get to speak to a counsellor. The good thing in Fiji is that they've, they've got these helplines, these free um, toll-free toll lines um, that are being accessed for lifeline, uh, for child help. I think um, the crisis centre has a toll-free line. Um, the Ministry of Women has a toll-free line. Um, and so does lifeline as well. So there's a few that's available, MSP as well. So it's like... If you have a friend or you know somebody needs to make a call, you know, encourage them to, to ring. But it's also about, it's about timing, isn't it? You know, um, when you know that the need is there, make the call. And if you know somebody needs to catch a bus to go in to see somebody, help pay for that bus fare because it makes a big difference. Yeah. What are some of the signs, you know, um, women are incredibly strong and resilient and we probably keep going until we snap. How do we not get to that point? What are some of the signs that we um, that just begin to appear that might show us that we need to go get help earlier than later? When, when people say, I'm tired, you know, and they say, I'm tired, they might say, I'm okay but it's how they say that I'm okay, that you know they're not okay, when their body language and their words are inconsistent, when the behavior is bizarre, they're doing strange things, um, then you know that something's not right. 
And so they might say, yeah, yeah, don't worry. But it's just like saying to them, you're saying don't worry, but look at what you're doing, you know. And speaking in a very kind, non-judgmental way and saying, you really need to get some help. And, you know, I'm there to support you to get the help. And again, just saying it's not weakness <laughs> to get help. Uh, and again, as women, we love to let everyone else go first. Um, but especially if you're a leader, the most important person is you and getting the help in that. Um, what would you like to say just as we finish up to people who are thinking, should I, shouldn't I? Um, what can you say that can really just help them pick up the phone and where do they go where do you start I guess it's you know there it's important that everybody values themselves eh? that they are everyone is important everyone is special everyone is God's child um, and that they have the right to be treated with dignity and love and respect and that this struggle that they're going through whatever form of violence needs to end and they need to make a choice yeah that it's going to end and see, reach out and seek the help huh? ask as many people as possible and not to feel um, you know to feel ashamed that it's it's a bad thing to ask for help and it's 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 often a long journey for many, but it's also about we have to start somewhere because taking that first step, it just becomes a lot easier. And, um, you know, seeking, trust, seeking trustworthy people to journey with you, keeping up with the prayers, um, looking after you know, your daily needs, making sure you're sleeping, that you're eating, you're drinking water because your body needs to survive to get through this journey towards um, healing and transformation. I mean, you mentioned the prayers, which is important. Um, sometimes I find that in the Pacific, they want to pray everything away. <laughs> and, um, and that's why we don't get help because we just think we need to pray more. Um, or go to the pastor for prayer, which is an important aspect, but why is prayer just not enough? Well, it's prayer for guidance and strength, huh? for action. It's not just praying you take it away, because that's not how it works. Um, because if it's happening to you, it's the inner strength that you get from prayer that helps you take that step and trusting that God will will guide you, will lift you, but you have to want to take it. Huh? And even if you're not as courageous, it's like, okay, I'm feeling a bit weak, and you just kind of help me push me along and give me, you know, connect me with people who will guide me and carry me on this journey. Yeah, because yeah, um, prayer is awesome, but then there's just some real practical steps that counseling brings and I think God uses counseling it's a, it's a great gift to help us understand who we are and why we do what we do um, and the Bible talks about wisdom um, in the counselors are many <laughs> and I'm very thankful for people who have helped me over the years to see issues in my life how about for pastors who again um, you know just want to 
pray something away. How can we encourage pastors to um, encourage their people into getting help and counselling? Yeah, you know, that's that's noble, that's helpful. It's also important that if the pastors are able to get some counsellor training, that would be really helpful for them, practical counsellor training. Um, but it's also about, you know, referring people on and saying to their congregation, I'm sorry, I don't know this, but I'm going to ask, you know, the crisis centre or MSP or Empower Pacific to come in, invite them in to talk to members in the congregation so that there's, there's that kind of connection. Yeah. And I think just creating a church uh, where we talk about these issues um, and where, again, we highlight that it's, we, we all need help. <laughs> That's why we have Jesus. Because um, many women, particularly that I've spoken to, would never dream of telling anyone in their church because of this environment of perfection um, and that we've got to turn up with life together. So that's a whole other issue, isn't it? Mm. It's, yeah, we're not perfect. We have our struggles. And if we're humble enough to know that we don't all have the answers and we do need to help each other and do so in a timely way, then we're saving lives. Huh? We're making our, we're contributing to a healthy community. It's really, uh, that's vital information. Um, I'm going to, when I post this up on Facebook, I'll put some numbers with it as well. For uh, if, like, if people right now are thinking I need help, they can just call Lifeline Fiji Women's Crisis Centre, and then they will be able to direct them to counsellors. Is that correct? Yeah. So when you go and do the research, because I haven't got the numbers on my fingertips, look for MSP, um, look for Empower Pacific, look for the Ministry of Women, Social Welfare. They've got a child helpline and also look for the, the crisis centre as well. So we will put those numbers up with this. But thank you so much, Quayla, for um, your time. I think we both share a passion to see um, people become healed and whole. Um, and so... We just want to encourage you today, if you're listening to this and you've been through some type of abuse or trauma or you're just struggling, um, you don't even need to have had big life events. Um, I've just gone and seen counsellors over the years just because I need someone to bounce things off and <laughs> stuff I'm going through. So please seek help um, and in the long run you will really benefit in your family and those around you. So thank you for tuning in today and we will see you again next week. I see your suffering, I see the pain beneath that bull of smile. Come out from hiding, the sun is rising. Let the islands hear reason, lay cry.